I feel like my nose is running all of a sudden. Better go catch it. Just gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna wipe my nose on my shirt, and that's recorded forever for everyone to know that I did that. You want me to leave that in? <laughs> leave that in. Um, I'm wiping my nose on my shirt. I might have to poop again. Humans are disgusting. And go. <laughs> and welcome to none of this is real. It's a podcast. Uh, it's like a thing you listen to, and this one's about stuff that's mysterious and weird. Oh, we're I'm so articulate. <laughs> also, I'm articulate, and I'm Doomsday Demini. I'm Sarah Sinkhole, and boy, howdy, am I just sinking in that hole, y'all. Just sinking. Sinking away. <laughs> I said boy howdy to Jay the other day and he was like, Did you just say boy howdy? And I was like, Oh yeah, that's that's a Sarah thing. I'm now I'm saying I don't it. know I don't know where I picked that one up. Boy howdy. Who the hell says that? Who what am you I? Do. Like an old man? You're a gutter boy squirrel. Boy howdy. Now now the new thing is Lord of Mercy. Lord of Mercy. I know. And you'll find you'll find out why in the next episode. You'll find out why. And also, I want to see if I can get... Don't t- do not do this, anybody who lives in North Carolina, or I'll f- seek you out and give you a, a, a stern look. Oh, a I noogie. said a noogie. That'd be more fun. <laughs> um, I'll give you a wet willy. I want to get a license oh, wow. plate. A license plate that says, Lord of Mercy. <laughs> Lord of Mercy, y'all! Oh! <laughs> that really sums up my life. Lord of mercy. Lord of mercy. Bless, boy, bless howdy. her heart. Bless boy, our hearts. <laughs> bless both of our hearts. Please, oh, somebody. Somebody out there. Bless we that. Need, we need a big whole blessing. Um, Hey, did anything weird or mysterious happen to you this past couple weeks? Hmm. I don't know. I can't think of anything. Oh, I got it. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I was listening remember that terrible joke you told me about the dentist last week that's not that's a great joke i mean do you you remember that great joke that you told me about what time you have to go to the dentist yes yeah it's 2 30 (laughs) um so (laughs) i was listening to a podcast no no first what happened was my mom told me something was happening at 2 30 this was a couple days later and it's that bader meinhoff is that what it's called the thing where you no, that's not it. I'm saying the wrong name. Whatever. That thing of when you hear a thing and then you hear it a bunch more after that. Yes. Whatever that's called. When you buy a car and you see that car everywhere. Yes. I, I hope everyone just heard the noise my stomach made. Oh, it I sounded so. like a an animal or a motorcycle. Anyway. Oh, my God. I can't do this today. <laughs> Podcast is over. I got to lay down. I can't focus. Good night, everybody. Good night. You're welcome. Okay, shit. So my mom said 2.30, and I was like, oh, and I thought of that wonderful joke you told me. And then I was listening to a podcast later that very same day. It was Jen Kirkman's podcast, Love Her. And she was like, what's that joke about 2.30? And it's like, no, she said, what's that joke about the dentist? And it's like, what time? Something about the dentist. And I'm going, I'm in the yard by myself going, 2.30, (laughs) 2.30. And she told the same joke. And this oh is a, but this is from like last year because I'm trying to catch up on all the episodes I haven't heard. So it was even before, but I was just like, "What the hell, Tooth Hurdy? I'm never going to not think about that bad, wonderful joke." 
So, yeah, I'm always talking about either coincidences or um, how life is weird. So, or gross. both of those things. Life is weird and gross, and some things happen sometimes that make you go, huh. Things huh. that make you go, uh. Is that a song? Huh. Oh, God. I wish everyone could see Domini's face. This is something else, y'all. <sighs> so, <clears throat> what weird thing are you going to tell me about? I can, I can hardly decide. Um <sighs> Here's one. Well, first of all, before I tell you the weird thing I'm, I was about to tell you, I I can't stop thinking about Spooky Dookie. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the weird thing. No. It's just something like I told you already, but I'll say it again for the turkey buzzards. I saw a turkey in my yard yesterday take a poop, and I just was like, I said out loud in my kitchen to the turkey, hey, turkey, took a spooky dookie. <laughs> my gosh i can't get it out of my head that turkey was like what you're watching me poop you freak <laughs> you weirdo um no but i was driving home the other night and there was some kind of traffic jam on the freeway i think there was an accident or something so i got off and i tried to get home a different way but it took me a weird way and i ended up on this country highway in a place that I didn't think led to my house, but it does. Oh, cool. And it was, That's exciting. it was nighttime and it was, you know, it had just gotten dark and I was really tired and I was like, oh, I just want to be at my house. And there was a guy in the road, like, so I was on the, um, you know, I was on like the right side if you're looking at the road because that's the right, side that's you're the supposed side to drive, drive on. on. Thanks. And, and the guy was on the opposite side from me, so he's on the left, on the like side of the road. But he, he's like dancing and waving his arms and yelling, and he was oh. like stepping out into the road and then going back, and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to hit a person. What's happening? I don't know. It was so weird. And I, I mean, I can only, I guess it was drugs or Jesus that he was excited about. Drugs or Jesus. That's what it always is. And it can't be both of them because um, a friend of mine sent me a clip of a Neil Brennan stand up that was like talking about how you don't get more Republican when you do drugs. <laughs> like, that's why Republicans don't like drugs because you don't do drugs and become more conservative. <laughs> no, you don't. Which is totally like Bill Hicks thing, too. If anybody's out there who needs a new comedian to listen to, well, he's not new, but if you haven't heard of him, Bill Hicks. Love him. Yeah, anyway. you, you, you can never be, like, on mushrooms looking up at the clouds going, I think people should be meaner to each other. Like, it just doesn't... I think I want to take away someone's human rights. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that was, I think that was what Neil Brennan, something like that, Neil Brennan says. But, um... That makes me think of that time that when we used to sneak out of the house and do, like, nothing but silly weird stuff. We weren't doing anything bad. We were just being silly. Um, we snuck out of the house, and we were walking around your neighborhood. Do you remember this? We saw those people slow dancing in the driveway at, like, yes. 2 or 3 in the morning. It was, like, this older couple in their driveway slow dancing. And we were like, is this sweet or the creepiest thing we've ever seen? Is Are sweetest these or the ghosts? Creepiest? Are these ghosts or just extremely precious, sentimental old people who decided to slow dance in the driveway at three in the morning? I still want to know. And then we were, uh, I think about that every time I pass that house to go to my parents. 
And we were hiding behind a bush because we didn't want them to see that we were out there. I'm sure they thought no one ever saw that. I... That is such a, what's one of those moments where I'm like, I would like to know what was going on, but it's also cool that we'll never know. Yeah. That was just like a super eerie, special moment between us, probably trying not to pee our pants behind a bush. Oh, I was, I got my period in that moment. Was that the same sneak out trip? I think that was the same sneak out trip where you gave me a sock. Oh, God. (laughs) Here's my sock, because I love you, and it's extremely unhygienic, but it's something. Put this in your underwear. Oh, my Lord. How are we alive right now? I'm not really sure. I question that sometimes myself. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Are we alive? Because this could be a simulation. Uh, None of this is real, right, y'all? None of this is real. And to prove it, today we're going to talk about thought experiments. Oh, yeah. So, warning. <clears throat> you, it's going to be a lot of thinking too hard. Um, and also probably a lot of us being like, does that make sense? What I just said? I don't know. I'm confused. <laughs> so get ready to be a little bit confused and a little bit, I don't know, but confused. <laughs> I mean, what's new? I'm confused all the time. I'm confused about why we do anything we do. So maybe this will, maybe this will help somebody figure it out because they're smarter than me you're gonna tell us a little bit about thought experiments and then go into some thought experiments and then i'm gonna go into i have mine are all paradoxes so i don't know if that's different but no i mean i'm pretty sure they're all pretty paradoxical at least the ones i've read we'll see because isn't life just a paradox am i right yes you are correct okay so i told you this already but I will tell everybody, I fucked my sources up good this week. I don't know if I deleted them or what. So maybe I'll try to go back and remedy the situation in the notes or in the social media. So sorry all the people whose articles I am reading <laughs> and quoting from. Sorry. Would you stop making that face? I'm trying to think. I've already messed up talking so many times it's just gonna be if you make faces this is never gonna end okay i'll stop quit it all right so i do have two articles two sources that i somehow miraculously saved qualia the knowledge argument from the stanford encyclopedia of philosophy and mary's room and the nuisance of norms the knowledge argument by omika ikpizu and of course, Wikipedia. Why? Why do we do this? Why do we do the things we do? I don't know, but it's so <sighs> cute and endearing. Oh, God, we're so endearingly silly. Okay. A thought experiment considers a hypothesis, a theory, or principle for the purpose of thinking through its consequences. The, the idea, the question, what might happen or what might have happened if has been used in philosophy at least since Greek antiquity, some even predating Socrates. So, you know, it's, That's it's been around a for a minute. time ago. Used in philosophy, especially ethics, physics, and other fields, like 
cognitive psychology, history, political science, economics, social psychology, law, marketing, and marketing. That was the last one. (laughs) (laughs) Marketing and marketing. Marketing and marketing. So it might not even ever be possible to perform a lot of these thought experiments. That's why they're just thought experiments. I mean, some of them, I guess you could, but it would be pretty unethical to do some of these things to people. <laughs> um, so it's just, there's not an intention to perform it. It's just like, hey, guys, let's think about this thing for way too long and analyze the shit out of it and make Sarah's brain hurt. But why, though? Why? Why do we do it? Do you know? I'm about to tell you. Okay. And they're, and they're great reasons. They're reasons I feel like resonate with why I do everything I do in life, which is to challenge the prevailing status quo. Yeah, challenge that shit at all yes, times, please. y'all. Challenge the shit out of the status quo. Okay, so you could also use it to extrapolate beyond the boundaries of an already established fact something we like to do here also predict and forecast the otherwise indefinite and unknowable future which is also fun or or to explain the past facilitate decision making choice and strategy selection solve problems generate ideas move problems into other more helpful problem spaces that's like when i send my son to his room (laughs) (laughs) same thing um Send him to his room and be like, do this thought experiment and then you can come out. I do go in. I do say like, look, you got to go be by yourself and figure out why you're in such a bad mood or whatever. And when you come out, you can we can talk about it or we can't just like figure it out. That's yeah, I can't I can't read your little mind. I wish I could. (laughs) Actually, I probably don't wish I could. Okay, so you can also use it to attribute causation, preventability, blame, and responsibility for specific outcomes. So you use it to point your finger at somebody and say, uh-huh, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, uh-uh. Well, y'all, this is the worst episode to be so inarticulate, and I do not know what's going on with me today, but I don't know if it's too much coffee, not enough coffee, or just that I'm a little brain dead. I'm going to talk about two thought experiments, and if I'm getting too up my own ass or too wordy or too far into the thought, you can just be like, okay, we get Should it. I make a face? Should I make a weird face at no, you? No, don't it's... do that. That's not helping me at all. <laughs> like, like this? <laughs> Where did your chin go? <laughs> I put it in my bucket. It's gone. Oh, that's going to be so helpful. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. I'm going to talk about two experiments. I already said that. And the first one is Mary's Room. Mary's Room, or sometimes called Mary the Super Scientist, or the Knowledge Argument. And this is just an argument against physicalism, which is something I didn't know. I didn't know what that meant. I have never heard of that. So physicalism is the view that the universe, including all that is mental, is entirely physical. So, we've so my thoughts are physical? I don't know if it's like your thoughts are caused by physical things. I think that's more what it is like neurons firing and oh yeah, stuff like that. I think okay. that's probably what that means, but I don't know because I'm full of shit. So 
And so is everybody else. It's true. All right, physicalism. So this is an argument against that concept, against the concept that everything is physical or is caused by physical things or has a physical nature. And this was proposed by a dude called Frank Jackson in an article from 1982 called uh, Epiphenomenal, Epiphenomenal Qualia. Good night. <laughs> <Done. laughs> Goodbye, everybody. And then further expounded upon in another article from 86 called What Mary Didn't Know, which sounds like a really bad novel for bored ladies at the beach. Or like a Lifetime movie. Yes! Same thing. All right, so this argument, this experiment, attempts to establish that there are non-physical properties and attainable knowledge that can be discovered only through conscious experience. It refutes the theory that all knowledge is physical knowledge. So we're already in deep with like the huh, the huzzy what's-its of it all. I got the I got a case of the huzzy what's-its. All day long. Every day, y'all. Help me. Help me. <laughs> I'm coming to help you. Okay. So this, I'm going to read for you Frank Jackson's original thought experiment. Mary is a brilliant scientist who is, for whatever reason, forced to investigate the world from a black and white room via a black and white television monitor. She specializes in the neurophysiology of vision and acquires, let us suppose, all the physical information there is to obtain about what goes on when we see ripe tomatoes or the sky and use terms like red, blue, and so on. She discovers, for example, just which wavelength combinations from the sky stimulate the retina and exactly how this produces, via the central nervous system, the contraction of the vocal cords and expulsion of air from the lungs that results in uttering the sentence, the sky is blue. What will happen when Mary is released from her black and white room or is given a color television monitor? Will she learn anything or not? So she knows everything there is to know about the science of color, but she has never seen color. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is just already my brain hurts. So Jackson is asking, once she sees color, has she actually learned anything from the seeing of the color that she didn't know from the knowledge of the color? And he says that she does. Because Mary has all the physical information concerning human color vision. But there is some information about human color vision that she does not have. Therefore, not all information is physical information. Okay. I can <laughs> be like, okay, and? So his argument is that she does learn something new. It, and that shows that the subjective qualitative properties of experiences exist. So if she learns something after she leaves the room then that knowledge is knowledge of the knowledge of seeing red. I'm our... So she may know everything about the science of color, but she's never had the experience of seeing the color. So therefore she has learned something new, and therefore physicalism is false. Okay. What do you think about that? I mean, that Does that make sense. any sense to you? Okay. That makes sense to me. It Because okay. it's... Um... Yeah, the experience of something is so I could I could 
learn everything there is to know about any experience, but you will always learn something new when you experience it, right? Like, that's just the human condition. Right. Experience is different than knowledge. So, but is it knowledge that she's... Is she gaining actual knowledge or is it an experience that is separate from knowledge? Right. Is it a non-physical thing? Because her experience, like when she sees the colors, her experience is still generated through like neurons in the brain and physical things, right? So maybe it could prove still physical. Right. That's the problem. So there's lots of arguing that's gone on about this, obviously. Um. So another point is that all behavior is caused by physical forces of some kind, like you just said. And this thought experiment proves, seemingly, that there is a non-physical part of the mind. Um, so if both of these are true, then epiphenomenalism is true. And epiphenomenalism is the view that mental states are caused by physical states, but have no causal effect on the physical world. Hmm. Does that make sense, what I just said? Not at all. <laughs> I told you it's gonna be a lot. So this guy Daniel Dennett is is very irritated, I guess, by this um, experiment, and it's like, hold up, I got some questions, I got some things to say. So he wrote a book, Intuition Pumps and Other Tools for Thinking. Intuition he wrote a whole pumps book about it. Dirty. I think it's just about these kinds of thoughts, not just okay. about this one. Yeah, but in this book, he says. Really, she has all the physical experience, or excuse me, physical information there is to obtain. How much is that? Is that like having all the money in the world? What would that be like? And I'm like, yeah, that's a good question. What, how would you how would you have all the physical knowledge in the world? See, now you're, at, you're asking like practical questions about a thought experiment, which is a dangerous road to go down because then you're like, well, well, then what is anything ever? Just shut up. Yeah. Um... He has written an alternate ending to Mary's Room. I love alternate endings. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that you would be one of those. You love listicles. <laughs> I, need, I need a list and I need choices. Okay, so Mary's Room. Alternate ending, just for you. So Mary's Tricky captures, captures excuse me, the people keeping her in the room are like, look, when we let her out, we're going to fuck with her a little bit. So they paint a banana blue. Oh, right. that's not cool. So that's the no. So that's the first thing she's going to see is a blue banana. So in this in this ending, she looks at it and goes, "Nope, you tricked me. Bananas are yellow, but this one is blue. You have to remember that I know everything, absolutely everything that could ever be known about the physical causes and effects of color vision. So before you brought the banana in, I had already written down in exquisite detail, exactly what physical impression a yellow object or a blue object or a green object would have on my nervous system. So I already knew exactly what thoughts I would have. I realize it is hard for you to imagine that I could know so much about my reactive dispositions that the way the way blue affected me came as no surprise. Of course it's hard for you to imagine. It's hard for anyone to imagine the consequences of someone knowing absolutely everything physical about anything. <laughs> So it's, this is one where it's like my brain hurts and there's no point for my brain hurting because it's honestly not even that helpful of a thought experiment. This is an example of one where you're just like, well, so what? Knowledge is well, knowledge. Who the fuck cares? Are any of these thought experiments useful for any, like, they're not, they don't seem very useful or practical in 
Well, I think we're talking about ones that are not very useful or practical. We're talking about more like philosophical. I mean, which is, you know, philosophy is useful to understanding something someday maybe, but um it's not like you can you can have thought experiments in science or law or other subjects where you actually gain like, you know, something you can yeah. some information you could do something with. And there are better so, ones than Mary's room because even the guy who wrote it was like, "You know what?" I don't like this anymore. Yeah, he was like, seeing a red apple could still correspond to something happening in her brain, right? But -hmm. it's different for every person because every, it's all about the psychological context that you bring. So, like, some cultures don't even have a different word for blue and green. So they wouldn't even fucking care what we were talking about. They wouldn't even have a word for the difference between those two colors. Just like if, uh, someone who's never had a cheeseburger eats a cheeseburger, they're going to be like, what the shit is this? Whereas my son, who loves cheeseburgers, is going to be like, this is the best thing ever! Because they have completely different contexts for everything. So the knowledge experiment is like, it's just like IQ testing or anything else. Like, how you're only testing, you're only asking one person who's had this one experience, and you're coming, you've created this thing from a whole another perspective. What about everybody else? So... What was the point of the alternate ending? It was to prove... To prove that the question is stupid. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. They did it a good like, job proving that. Yeah, how could anybody even know anything? If she knows everything, how is that even possible? Yeah, so Mary's Room is an example of one where you're like, I just made my brain hurt and for nothing. But it is good to exercise your brain. It is, that's true. This one's a little better. I like this one a little better. It... it to me is more useful and will also make your brain hurt but in a way that you're like what <laughs> okay oh god i'm getting on my own nerves all right ship of theseus which i have talked to theseus i said that right i've talked about this before right briefly. yeah briefly at the end of an episode once a while ago, long ago, long, long ago, I spoke of the ship of Theseus. This is one of the oldest thought experiments in Western philosophy. Um, even Heratic- Heraclitus, fucking A, some old guy, and another one, Plato, I don't know, they talked about it. It's an old one. So it goes like this. If it is supposed that the famous ship sailed by the hero Theseus in a great battle has been kept in a harbor as a museum piece, and the years went by, as the years went by, some of the wooden parts began to rot and were replaced by new ones, then after a century or so, all of the parts have been replaced. The question then is if the restored ship is still the same object as the original. If it is then supposed that each of the removed pieces were stored in a warehouse and after the century, technology developed to cure their rotting and enable them to be put back together to make a ship, then the question is, is this reconstructed ship still the original ship? And if so, then the question also regards the restored ship in the harbor still being the original ship as well. What? So what Which one's is... the real ship? What's the ship of Theseus? Which one is it? Oh my god. So another another Greek philosopher tried to solve this by talking about a river. And his his whole thing was if you step into a river, 
different water as is moving past all the time. You're never going to step into the same water twice. So is that ever the same river? Is it just constantly never the same river? That's an old, um, that's a really old idea that yeah. a lot of religious texts talk. And I can't remember who originally said that, actually. Apparently, but. the Greek philosopher Her- Heraclitus. Her- Heraclitus? Yeah. Well, maybe, or he maybe is the first person that asked if it was the same river. Because in, like, in spiritual thought, it's said to be, like, comparing that to a person. Like, you're never the same person twice. You're, like, compared to the river. So it seems really different to think about the ship versus the river, though. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering why it is so different. Because the sim- the river is the I same river, why. not because of the water, but because of the source of the water. The source comes from the same source, and it runs the same path, and that's the river, not the water. Is it the it. source or the path? Is it the riverbed? I think the river is all of that combined. It's the riverbed, it's the path, it's the source of the river. Weird. To me, as a philosopher myself... <laughs> <laughs> God, we're such, uh, we're such good philosophers and so articulate. Making, we're always having thought experiments over here. That's how we usually are. about cryptozoological creatures. Okay, so according to Aristotle, this is going to address some of the stuff you just said. The okay. quote, "What it is of a thing, the beingness of the thing, is its." formal cause so the ship of theseus is the same ship because the cause or design the purpose of it didn't change even though the matter used to construct it may vary with time in the same manner for the river paradox it has the same cause although the water in it changes with time it's like what are you what are you what are you you talking about what does this word same mean even you know, what mm-hmm. any of these, you have to, what is, it depends on what your definition of is, is. No, but Dad, don't quote. say that. No. <laughs> um, that is the worst thing anyone's ever said. Um, it's, it's, it's up so there. I, even, I want everyone to know I did the thumb and the hand gesture along with my bad impression. Okay. Oh, my Lord. So, so basically Aristotle and I are on the same page and I'm Aristotle. Cool. Wow. <laughs> That's what that means. Getting a little full of yourself there, sister. I gotta hype myself up somehow. Oh, Lord. No, do it. I'm I'm all about that. Be your own hype person. Okay. Like you said about, you know, people changing. There is that idea. I don't know how true this is scientifically. I don't know about the seven-year thing, but... Within the span of seven years, every cell in your body will die and be replaced. You are literally, I hate using that word sometimes, are not the same person that you once were. So physically, the cells you were, you had, you know, 10 years ago are gone and you're made up of different cells, new ones. So I love that idea. You are the ship of Theseus. You're not Aristotle. You're the ship of Theseus. We are all the ship of Theseus. Oh my God, aren't we all though, y'all? So, I have some questions someone's written. I wish I could tell you who it was, but it's one of the sources I lost. Sorry, sorry, I'll find it someday. 
So this, this is a lot of good things to consider when you're thinking about the ship of Theseus. So instead of changing all of the planks or pieces, what would happen if you just changed two of them? Would that make it less the original ship? What if the ship consists of 100 planks and 49 are replaced? What about 51? How about changing 99? Is the single plank at the bottom of the ship enough to maintain the original status of the ship? If the change is gradual, does the ship still maintain its status as the ship? And how gradual must the change be? Hmm. Do you have any answers? <laughs> I, it, I'm thinking about my house. Because <laughs> we've done so much to the house and changed so much about the house. I'm like, it's still the same house. But if we were That's to true. knock it down and build a totally new house, it'd be a new house. Right. But it'd still it's, be your house. It would still be the house of Domini. Right? Wow, that sounds like a real fun house with some. Or it sounds like a, like an old fashion, fashion company. House of Domini. This is House of Domini. This piece this I'm is... wearing. I'm, I'm wearing House of Domini. It's an old T-shirt. Smells funny. Uh, yep, that's accurate. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I, that's the question. Then is it is it the purpose of the thing that def- that makes the thing the thing or is it what it's made of so like if it were if you replaced it with plastic or metal instead of wood does that change it at all does it matter who is making all the changes so like if one group of workers starts making the changes and then by the end of it it's a whole nother group of people working on it is it about the people's intention of the ship the perp you know the back to the purpose of the ship what if you what if it can't float anymore? What if it just like sits at the dock you can't um take it anywhere? Is it still the same thing when you change its purpose? The function? I don't know, you guys. I'm tired. I think, just, I think it's still the same ship. Okay. Yeah. I think it's always still the ship of Theseus if people call it the ship of Theseus. It's, it's okay. That is that is the ultimate argument. This one to me is kind of simple. It's like, yeah, I think it's the same ship. Okay. Well, what if we change it to talking about a ship and we talk about cells and people, which is, I guess, where this whole identity conundrum is going. So if an, if an amoeba splits, which amoeba is the original and which is the offspring or whatever of the mm-hmm. amoeba? Um, when your body loses cells, it loses atoms. Those atoms go on to belong to other things. And so other people's atoms and other things' atoms can become a part of your body. And then you think about death. So if a person, the end of their existence is when they're a dead body, the body's still there. And we say, that's where my grandfather's buried. They are buried there. As if that is still the person. The body is still the person. Or sometimes you say, oh, his body is buried there. So it's the difference between the person and the body. It's so, basically, it's problematic to say that a human is defined or identified by their body. A person is more than a physical object because we think. A person is a continuous stream of consciousness, memories, intentions, thoughts, and desires. This leads to another question. What if you got insomnia? No, not insomnia. (laughs) I was going to say, wow, that's a lot of people. What if you couldn't sleep? You're fucked. You're not yourself. You just don't feel like yourself. Then all the atoms in your body disappear completely and you hover above your bed forever. Yeah. Yep. 
Sorry, that's sorry science. To, hate to break it to you. Science. <laughs> oh, nope. Let me try that again. What if a person has amnesia? Oh, that's different. Apparently, I have a little touch of that right now. So if someone has amnesia, are they the same person? Uh, are you the same person as you were when you were 15? Like, hasn't your personality changed? Hasn't your thoughts and opinions and stuff changed since you, you were 15? You would think so, but... Who... <laughs> nope, I haven't evolved at all, y'all. Well, my sense of humor hasn't, that's for sure. <laughs> This is what I say all the time, though. When I talk to younger people, I'm like, look, I don't feel that different than I did when I was young. I got different thoughts. I've got more nuanced opinions about things, maybe. I got a different view of the world. But at the core, I'm still the same dork that I was, you know, 22 years ago. Oh, my God. (laughs) Still the same dork. Yep. Still dorky after all these years. So uh, this is a question I really like. Who is the real you? The one who was madly in love with someone or the one who is bored with that same person two months later? Oh, calling me out. Oh, guys, you got a lot to think about now. Just sit back and think about it. Who's the real you? The one who likes this podcast or the one who's like, I'm over it. (laughs) These thought experiments are enough. Enough already. So, uh, then we're, you want to talk about souls? All right. I guess we can talk about souls. Just for a second. Just for a second. And then I'll be done. I promise. Okay. Okay. So, we assume, you have to assume the existence of a soul, obviously. So, assuming that, what is the relationship between the soul and the body? What is the relationship between your soul and your actions, your psyche, your personality, how you operate in the world? If there is no connection... Then what is, uh, how is one soul different from another soul? How can you differentiate between identities if they have no influence over any part of you? If, if your soul has no influence over your body, how do you differentiate between souls? What is the purpose of identity? But if there is a connection, then does your identity change your body, actions, psyche, or personality? Or do they change together? Or is one is the soul in flux does it change or is that the constant and and your personality and everything else evolve well there's a there's also a a spiritual philosophy that our souls are all part of the same energy right so maybe it is separate from all our personality and because you think about like sometimes i think about some dumb thing i did right and i'm like well i know i'm not that thing at my core i'm not that asshole that did that but i yet i did that so is that the separation between my human self and my personality and my soul which is part of a greater thing so then which one is you are you the soul or are you the person that's walking around are you neither (laughs) i am aristotle we've been over this oh my no you're not remember you're the (laughs) ship of theseus So, no, who, okay, are you the, are you the real you? Who is the real you? Are you the one with the soul prior to the change? Or are you the one with the changed soul? Like, who's the real you? Are you only the utmost you you can be, like, right before you die of extremely old age and you've learned all there is to learn in a human's life? Like, maybe. Or are you the 15-year-old version of you? Are you the two-year-old version? 
Yes, who, uh, that's probably you. true. That is high. I'm like maybe five or six, seven. I'm still in that range. Talking You've about evolved quite the a bit then. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. Okay, so the basic problem is definitions of things, right? It's, just, it's kind of the same as the th- knowledge experiment where you're like, well, it depends on what these words mean that you're saying. And it depends on the context of how you're using them and who you're talking to and, you know, what their beliefs are, I guess. So the ship of Theseus does not really exist at all. What is a ship? Ship's nothing. A ship is just an idea that humans have made up. So the ship is just nothing. It's just a bunch of stuff we put together and words we say. So what you're saying is none of this is real? Yes! <laughs> is that That's the what point? I've been saying this whole time! Because <laughs> there's, no there's no exact definition of what is meant by the ship of Theseus. It is a collection of sensations. If you kick it, you'll your toes will hurt. If you look at it, you see wood. If you lick it, it will taste like a ship. You'll have a splinter in your tongue. <laughs> Ow! And you're weird. Watch out. Be careful. But they're all just sensations, and your sensations are going to be different than my sensations. I, my taste buds are different than yours. My eyes see differently than yours. My brain interprets those things differently than yours. So my idea of the ship of Theseus is completely different than your idea of the ship of Theseus. None of this is real. It's so just not. do what you want. Live your life. Who gives a shit? <laughs> what does that even mean? So uh, basically, it's just atoms made up of things that are going to be something different later they were something else before it's all in our mind we're making it all up you're welcome yep the existence of the ship of theseus is an illusion it's all an illusion (laughs) they're illusions michael all right that's enough so what do you think uh is any of that real (laughs) no nothing is real (laughs) that's what we've that's my definitive answer on that. None of this is real. Not not anything you said. There's no blue bananas for sure. So no, no, nope, none of those. I've never, I've never said or felt or seen or done anything real. Apparently, because it's just words and stuff we made up about the everything's a construct, right? Yep, yep. Question everything because it's not real, y'all. Oh, it's not real. I'm so scared and so relieved. I'm at terrified. The same time. And excited. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sorry if anybody's brain hurts. Um, thanks for listening to me pretend to know something for a minute and then realize that I know nothing. And I thought it was a um, fun little journey. Hey, I will say this. Love is real. That's what I say. Love is Aww. real. And I love you. I love you, Demini, and I love you, Turkey Buzzards, and I love you for listening and putting up with us this long and supporting us. That's, that's, that's the only a, thing that's real. The ship of love is real. The love boat. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go to bed. Hurry up. <laughs> okay, let me tell you a very relaxing bedtime story then. I'm so excited for your bedtime story. I'm just kidding. I'm going to tell you paradoxes. Oh, no, not more. I can't do it. Let me tell you a soothing bedtime paradox. Let me keep you up all night with questions of your identity and what's real and what's knowledge. Can you know anything? Who are you? Ah! Okay, so my sources are 
uh, an article on mental floss called The Buttered Cat Paradox by Miss Selenia. Miss Selenia. That's the username. I just got that. That's good. Good job. That is good. And I love that you just got it. (laughs) I just read my own notes. Okay. Um, A YouTube account called The Autopedia and a medium.com article called the omnipotence paradox and an um oh it's called the omnipotence paradox an augustinian solution by maximus confesses and britannica.com wow that's a mouthful y'all wowzers okay so originally you had um we had agreed that i would do a cat themed i would do the buttered cat paradox and i would do schrodinger's cat but um like you said about mary's room the creator of that just like that guy, um, yeah. Schrodinger abandoned his cat theory too. <laughs> he was like, "Nope, I love he, it." He became a biologist. He did so. I'm not gonna go into it because I was reading about it and watching videos on it, and I was like, "No, I don't want to attempt to explain this or talk about quantum theory." Or Mm-mm, I'm not what? doing you it. You don't want to talk about quantum theory? You know what? Honestly, I'm kind of glad you chose not to go down that rabbit hole because. My brain hurts enough already. I'm hoping I love the buttered cat, and I'm hoping it'll it'll be like a palate cleanser. Well, first I'm gonna tell you. So I I still chose that cat, but I Schrodinger's cat can stay in its little box. You abandoned a cat, you monster! <laughs> yeah, leave it in the box. It's fine. Just Y'all just open another box. That's gonna leave be Schrodinger's equally. cat. Just be. leave it. Just leave forget it. it. It's not real anyway. None of this is not real. Okay. So the omnipotence paradox dates back to the 12th century and assumes that the meaning of omnipotence is having no limits or capable of creating any outcome. So a god or a godlike being. And the paradox asks, can an omnipotent being or god create an object so heavy that they cannot lift it? Nice. So... Um, By making a rock so heavy that its creator cannot lift it entails non-omnipotence. Then either God can make a rock so heavy that they cannot lift it, in which case God is not omnipotent, or God is not omnipotent because there is at least one logically possible thing that the God cannot do. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Going around and around and around. Okay. This I like is, this one. This is just as bad as the time travel episode where we talked about paradoxes until I wanted to cry. I'm, I'm almost there. Okay, let's do it. Okay. So, now this is something I kind of came up with while I was doing this. Now, if okay. you adjust your definition of logical, it could change the outcome. If a being is omnipotent, only if it can do all things logically possible. This scenario is not logically possible, therefore does not diminish the power of the omnipotent being. Okay. (laughs) Okay, anyway. So one response given to the objection that um, the god could not be omnipotent um, was by St. Augustine of Hippo, wherever that is. It's cute. In his work, The City of God. So I'm just picturing a hippo at a desk with like an old timey philosopher's robe on like, hmm. (laughs) Hmm. 
I've really um, come up with a good one here. Why is that <laughs> So, so anyway, this St. Augustine of Hippo said, uh, but assuredly he, uh, capital H, he is rightly called omnipotent, though he can neither die nor fall into error. For he is called omnipotent on account of his doing what he wills, not on account of his suffering what he wills not. For if that should befall him, he would by no means be omnipotent. So basically, (sighs) St. Augustine is saying that omnipotence doesn't include death, um, being wrong. Like he, he can't, uh, an omnipotent being can't be wrong or can't die, but that doesn't make them not omnipotent, even though there's a thing they can't do. Okay. Okay. This is just, it's like what it depends on what your definition of die is or omnipotence or logic. Ah! Yeah. And so, oh, the last thing that St. Augustine said was he cannot do some things for the very reason that he is omnipotent. He cannot do some things for the very reason he is omnipotent. Like die or be wrong about something or... He's omnipotent, so... Make a rock so heavy he cannot lift it. Okay, or she or it or whatever you believe. Okay. So. I have one more quote. I have one more quote about this paradox by American philosopher Homer J. Simpson. (laughs) Could Jesus microwave a burrito so hot that he himself could not eat it? to the Simpsons writers to make the best thought experiment I've ever heard. <laughs> Forget the rock. I want to talk about hot burritos. I like that one because it's basically questioning the existence of any omnipotent being. Is there such a thing as omnipotence, etc.? Right, yeah. Oh. Is there? Is that even a thing? Okay. I have another serious one and then I'll tell you the... I'll go through this quickly. So it's okay. not that serious. Okay. It's All called right, the liar good. paradox or the, ep- I remembered how to pronounce this a few days ago. Ep- <laughs> Epimenides. Epimenides. Okay. So it's either the Epimenides paradox or the liar paradox. Have you heard of this one? I think so. I think so. But tell me. Okay. And so I'll tell you. I wrote, now I present to you <laughs> the oh. oldest and simplest paradox which is mentioned in the old testament of the bible and by me myself aristotle Uh, oh malanta this this paradox originated with a guy called epimenides he was a cretan seer as in he was from crete an island in greece he was a, a reputed author of religious and poetic writings and other mystical works um, relig- he was an uh, author of religious theories of an Orphic character, read mystical, uh, were, okay. so he did a bunch of mystical shit. <laughs> he was um, one mystical dude. He was one mystical dude. He took a lot of spooky dookies. He, <laughs> he also conducted purification rites in Athens around 500 BCE, um, <clears throat> and stories of his advanced age of either 157 or 299 years. Oh, um, just... That's not that big of a difference. Uh, uh, his miraculous 
sleep of 57 years. Okay. Which sounds nice, actually. I'll take it. Yeah. I just had the most refreshing 57-year nap. (laughs) Turns out um, people are wrong. It's not 20 minutes. That's the prime napping time. It's 57 years. So... Um, His dealings with oracles and his wanderings outside the body have led some scholars to regard him as a legendary figure of a shamanistic type. He is also known for his claim, uh, cited by St. Paul the Apostle, that all Cretans are liars. Epimenides, a Cretan, is is credited with the invention of the paradox of the liar, in which a sentence says of itself that it is false, thus being true if it is false, and false if it is true. It is true. So the basic, the simplest version of this is, this statement is false. So if I say this statement is false, it's true and false. If it's false, it's true. (laughs) If it's true it's false no ah, you can't figure it out <laughs> no, no. Uh, that's like it's one of those things where you're like i want to think about this because i want to you know think about everything too much because that's what my brain wants to do and then you you go down that road you're like okay so if it's true it's false if it's false it's true that means it ah i know i'm done <laughs> and then you faint yeah, on I mean, your fainting I... couch ah oh, the vapors the philosophical vapors <laughs> Um, <laughs> is that the name of the episode? Like, I think so. Because I feel like we get those on the regular anyway, where we're just like, ah, uh, why? What? No. It's too much. <laughs> well, here, I'll ease your philosophic, philosophical vapors. I'll put um, a philosophical smelling salt under your nose. Oh, thank you. I needed that. It's called the buttered cat paradox. Now, <laughs> this is my favorite. And... It's also a little comic relief to help you integrate uh, after all this stuff we've been throwing at you. And also, Ugh. it's a bit of an instruction on how to make an anti-gravity device. Okay, get you're welcome. on it. Get on it, people. So, we all know that a cat always lands on their feet. Okay? Yep. And we also know if you butter a piece of toast and you drop it, the toast will always fall butter side down. Therefore, if you butter a piece of toast and attach it to a cat's back or simply cover your cat in butter, it will become suspended above the ground. Yep. <laughs> I love it so very much. And I you know what? highly I have four cats. Highly recommend you go and watch the YouTube videos on this phenomenon. Oh where- my gosh, I've never watched one. I bet they're so good. There's a lot of cats with toast (laughs) on their back. Just hovering above the ground. Are they spinning? Yes, they're spinning. I feel you have to spin because then you're like, I can't land on my feet. Oh, I can't land on the butter. Oh, 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 (laughs) oh. There have actually been experiments, though, where people drop toast a certain amount of times and see how many times it actually lands butter side down and it's a lot like it's a very statistically significant number (laughs) hmm, i wonder why i wonder if it has to be like melted a certain way you know like if it is it is it just room temperature butter you're just like on that thing on the room temperature bread what if the butter is melted completely into the bread what is bread (laughs) 
<laughs> There's no such thing as bread, y'all. I love bread. Next time we get together, we can do some toast experiments. And oh, you said you have four cats, so I mean, how hard would you guys judge me if I buttered my cats and dropped them? <laughs> Most people in the YouTube videos just like tie some butter toast to their cats. So there are people who are really doing this. Yes. How far are they dropping their cats? Like off the counter. Like they're not dropping it. They're like scooting it so it has to jump off the counter. Just shove. Just look. Here's what you do. You you put butter all over your cat's back and just shove that little shit right off the counter like it does with all of your things. It's payback. So it's payback and it's science. Revenge science. The best kind of science. (laughs) Someone just told me the other day that her son, who I can't remember how old he is, he's like three or four, that he um, he does that when he gets upset. He just knocks stuff off a table or a counter, and a, and yep. someone was like, your son is a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, it depends on what the definition of cat is, okay? Because it could be a human cat, right? No. Correct. Ma- I do think there is a phase that children go through where they're like, oh, I have... My, I can physically affect the world around me, and gravity is a thing. So, and they just start knocking stuff off the tables. My niece <laughs> is doing it now, and I think she's eighteen months. Probably, that might be right. He's just shoving shit off the table, just poop. And Levon did the same thing. Just oh, there's stuff on this table. Well, it's supposed to be on the floor. So, <laughs> I say it goes on the floor. Oh, but before we go on too big of a tangent, I have a very special question to ask you. Oh, okay. Is any of that real? <laughs> um, you know, I don't know anymore. I don't know anything anymore. I've never claimed to know anything. So, is any of that real? Um, well, we're gonna find out because we're gonna butter my cats. That sounds like a euphemism. Sounds it like sounds a, like a, a live entendre. a live Instagram video. Oh no, we're going we're live. So we're buttering many. some cats. So many people have been like, you, I can't believe you put butter on that cat. You a terrible person. Buttered cats are real. <laughs> are they? I don't know. I don't know. They are on YouTube. I don't know. Is YouTube even real? I'm so scared right now. <sighs> Is any of that real? Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Thought experiments are real. Really lame and hurting my brain. I'm going to look for the magic eight ball. I think I know where it is. Oh, oh, you don't know where it is. Oh, Ask okay. the magic eight ball where it is. I can't. It's another paradox. What is happening over there? Just see the ceiling and your shoulder and a bunch of noises. Shuffle, shuffle. Is that it? Oh, oh God. Now you sound like a drug addict. <laughs> Where to put the fucking eight ball? Oh god! I need it. The thing is, I can't find my magic eight ball. I used it yesterday. I took it out in public, and now I can't find it. So I'm gonna pull oh, a tarot no. card for I us. I believe you lost the oracle. I lost the oracle. Y'all lost my oracle. <laughs> oh no! I'm gonna pull a tarot card for us as a couple. Okay. Are you ready? Tell our future. Tell me something good about what's to come. 
Tell me something good. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Tell me I'm Aristotle. Yeah. Tell me what the fuck is real. Yeah. Nothing. That's what. Nothing, y'all. There's no nothing card in this deck, so. Oh. Oh, Are you sure there's not a single card that means nothing? What is it? I can't see. That is the six of wands. It's the six of wands, and it means victory, a victorious homecoming, or yes, victory is ours. And it's like a celebration going on in the background. Maybe that means that we're gonna get a whole bunch of new listeners and reviews and ratings and people giving us some of that sweet patreon money and that is what that means that's the rate and review card of the tarot deck (laughs) that's the patreon patron card the patron card well that that would probably be a pentacles card but this is overall victory so it must be included um it's under the umbrella of victory if you don't get our gist, we're trying to tell you that we need you to uh, go and sit down <laughs> at your computer for one second or while you're taking a spooky dookie. Rate and review our podcast, please. We would really appreciate it. We would so much appreciate it. Like we said last week or the week before, I don't know. You think of us when you're pooping and rate and review. Or like look at Patreon and say, oh, I want a sticker or a weird thing that that uh sarah made or a tarot card reading from Domini. see how good that one was victory y'all come on get on board and if you take a really long spooky dookie if you're in there for a while you can also write us tell us your weird stories or tell us what you think of these thought experiments yes yes and this is a free podcast you get it for free and i'm happy about that because i hate capitalism um but you know we still have to live so you know if you if you like it if you listen i feel like this is the um pledge drive for in public radio just throw us a little of that money or a little of them stories tell your friends tell your family tell your dentist at 2 30 that (laughs) you uh, that he he's got a podcast that he really would love yes yeah, we would really appreciate that. Another thing you can do is you can send us a recording of your spooky, beautiful voice telling us what's real to you or anything, really. And we'll put it on the end of the podcast. Yeah, what's real to you? What's your favorite paradox? Uh, you know, what's your dad doing? Is he in the yard looking at stuff with binoculars? <laughs> yeah, is he knocking us. on your door while you're trying to podcast? Because that's what our dads are doing. That's what, yeah, just send us like a 30 second or 20 second or 10 second clip of your beautiful voice to uh, none of this is real podcast at gmail.com. You can also slide into our DMs if you have a little story. Yeah, we we love the stories. That's what it's all about. Look, none of this is real. So we might as well just share our experiences and try to understand what the hell is happening. We might as well. Yeah, might as well. We really appreciate everything up to this point also. Yes, we appreciate you. This is our, we're going into our second year of podcasting now. Can you believe it? Whoa. Oh, my goodness. Gracious. Lord of mercy. <laughs> Lord of mercy. Um, the only other thing I really have to say is um, that you don't have to believe in any of this. Yeah, obviously. 
don't because none of it's real. Nothing is real. All right? We proved it. We It's proven now on this episode, except you do have to believe on yourself. You're real. Believe on yourself. Please. Believe all over yourself. Yeah. Get it all up in there. Just like, mm, mm, with it. Like while you're <laughs> flossing. Yeah. Or while you're spooky duking. Anyway. Yes, please do that. And goodbye. Bye. Love you. Jacob, if you could travel in time, when would you go and what would you do? I would play and camp out and I would have lots of fun. Oh man, that's a great answer. I want to hear it.